Before we start the broadcast of the Wakefield Trinity Heritage podcast, I just wanted to make you all aware of the official sponsors for the 2023 series. Our agency are a full-service digital creative agency specialising in branding, web and content creation. They are delivering results in Wakefield for organisations such as Trinity Walk and the Wakefield Cathedral. And they offer upfront, no-nonsense marketing to help you achieve your goals. Drop them a line, follow them on all their social media accounts or take a look at their website and make our agency your agency. If you're a local business in the Wakefield area and interested in sponsoring the podcast, drop Lee or Jamie a message on the Heritage social media accounts and we'll get back to you as quick as we can. Now, over to you, Cammy. Hi, it's Cammy, Chris Kamara, and you are listening to the Trinity Heritage podcast with Jamie and Lee Robinson. They are unbelievable. Good afternoon, good morning and good evening from wherever you are listening from. My name is Jamie Robinson and welcome to episode 74 of the Wakefield Trinity Heritage Podcast. Once again with my dad, Lee Robinson, still taking some time away, I have returned with the second instalment of the We're Vacant Island videos. Just a quick recap, this is definitely not a direct rip-off of the critically acclaimed BBC Radio 1 show, Desert Island Discs, as we bring to you the Vacant Island videos. The hypothetical premise of this collection is to imagine that you are on a castaway, you are a castaway on a distant vacant island, and all you have is three old Wakefield Trinity VHS tapes to watch. Now, I've I've actually put some advertising out on social media regarding this, so if you are interested in appearing on the podcast with Vacant Island videos and sharing your own experiences and stories with Wakefield Trinity, then do not hesitate to contact us on any of our social media platforms. This week's guest will be no secret to most, as he's one of the most vocal Wakefield Trinity fans online, so it'll be good to hear what games he has chosen. The man behind the Down at Bellevue Twitter account, Welcome to Matty Sellers. How are we doing, Matty? All right, mate? I'm all right, mate. Thank you. Uh, how are you doing? Yes, not too bad. Not too bad. We're still here. Um, we, we were just discussing yesterday's game against Salford. Really unlucky. Arguably our best performance of the season so far. Um, what do you make of it? And, and how positive are you going into the into the KR game? It's better. I mean, we scored some points. I, I wasn't uh, I wasn't sounding too confident when we last spoke on the, uh, on the fans' forum. But... Uh, yeah, they showed a bit of fight. Um, I, I, I didn't go. I listened to it on the radio, but it sounded like the halfbacks seemed to click a little bit better, seemed to suit each other a little bit more. Um, silly errors probably cost us, you know, passing passing the ball about on the halfway in Golden Point. Maybe not. Maybe that's down to confidence, but a lot more encouraging. Um, you've got to say that. And, you know, if maybe if we had Jacob Miller at six, we'd have probably won that yesterday with the drop goals. But, you know, I think... I feel a little bit more confident than I did last week. Definitely so, mate. Definitely so. I feel that win that win's coming somewhere, and it's got to come soon. And hopefully, it's okay out this coming Friday, even though it's still up in the air where the where the game is actually going to be played. Um, yeah, hopefully that is down at Bellevue and linking to that your Twitter account. So, Matty, I'm going to ask you. I'm not prepped on this, and I've purposely not prepped on a few things, but I'm going to ask you the same question: what I ask every single guest we have on. Uh, initially, I've asked it to Jason Dimitri, Gareth Ellis, David Solomon, and Michael Corkidis, Terry Crook, Gary Spencer, absolutely everybody I've had on the podcast. 
Um, and my first question to you is, when you hear the words Wakefield Trinity, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Family. Um, that's the first word. Uh, it's, it's something that I've done. I, I still go to the games with my granddad now. Um, it's something I've always done since since our, I think, first season I went was 2002-ish. So I've been six years old-ish. Um yeah, it just holds a special place in me. It's, it's like our little family tab. And, you know, it means a lot, that club. The club means a lot to me. Probably why I'm a little bit vocal on Twitter at times, because I, I just want the I just want the best for the club, really. And, and elaborate on that, I was I was going to ask, obviously, a lot of people kind of know you as the Wakefield Trinity fan and, and, and the guy on social media who's, who's most vocal, but tell us about the background of, of your love with the club. Obviously, you, you've just mentioned you've been supporting now for over 20 years. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like a, like a lot of people, you don't choose Wakefield Trinity. You just kind of get it passed down to you. Um, it'd be much easier if I could support a more successful team, but I don't have that love for them. Um, you know, from, from being born and getting little Wakefield Trinity onesies thrown on me as a kid and uh, you know, getting to, getting to games, even even as like a two or three year old, not really watching the rugby, but playing with the Stones on the North Stand, and I'm sure it's similar for a lot of people <laughs> my age. Um, it it, it just kind of like it is my life, really. Maybe maybe not to an extent where I, I live and breathe everything, and and I don't have a social life away from it. But a lot of a lot of the decisions I, re- I make about what I do on my weekends revolve around Wakefield Trinity, whether whether I miss a night out with my friends um, or events with my friends to, to go um, to the games or even, you know, I believe once we had a family holiday circulated around the time that we played Catalan in summer and we purposely decided to go to the south of France. It's something we'd, we'd never really done as a family because Wakefield were playing. So it's, it's kind of just been enthrusted on me, if that's the right word. Um, and you know when you, when something like that is is sort of passed down, you kind of you kind of just end up falling in love with it. Definitely. So, and like you say, I think the majority of the, the our fans will be Wakefield born and bred or kind yeah. of passed down. So it's not a club that you probably choose to support. Um, but looking at that, we've 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 had a chat before, and you've you've had some time to pick three games that you would choose on this distant desert island that you'd be cast away on. Just quick, just a quick question. Where do you think you'd be going on holiday if you became this castaway? Where's your where's your holiday of choice? Oh uh Greece. Greece, Greece okay. is probably my favourite destination, yes. Yeah, so okay. a little island off Greece. Okay, so you can see you can see Greece in the far distance. It's almost an hallucination by now. Um you've somehow got a, a set of VHS tapes and a TV plugged in somewhere. Um game one you've chosen is, is Wakefield Trinity 38, Leeds Rhinos 18. There was 9,547 people at Bellevue for a Super League game on the 29th of July 2012. What have you chosen that game for and what does it mean to you? Uh so that game, uh, that'll put me at about 16 years old. So I'm starting to understand rugby. I've been playing rugby myself, um, amateur. Uh, and it's really where my love for Wakefield Trinity started to kick on. Obviously, still got that love from beforehand. But when I feel like when you understand the game a little bit more, you you appreciate it a bit more. Um, you know, 2011, if I'm remembering right, wasn't the best of seasons. So 2012 is sort of like, even the first bit, it's not even success, but the first bit of positivity that I've watched 
for for a long time as a Wakefield fan. Um, and this game was in the midst of that sort of long unbeaten run that we went on to reach the playoffs. And this one just sticks in my mind in terms of um, because it because it's Leeds that we're, we're beating, and at the time Leeds were the best side in the competition, maybe the world. Um, we had a team of absolute misfits. I think it's fair to say. Um, and I, I remember the the hospice kit. I think they wore for that game. It was like a it was the white, and then instead of the red and blue, it was gold and green. Um, so I I just remember like little bits about that game more than any other in that sort of period of time. And you're right, obviously, that I've, I've, I've interviewed Richie Mathers, I've interviewed a couple of blokes from that team, including the coach at that time, Richard Agar, and they all use that term misfits. Um, you know, there were a bunch of castaways, literal cast, castaways and, and cast-offs from other clubs who nobody wanted them. We pieced them together. Looking at that, the start of that season, Matty, we started with, with three wins in, in the first the, 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 the 15 games. So not just a, probably a typical Wakefield start, really. Um, until we kind of come to the back end of that season. And, you know, we beat Huddersfield away. We beat Leeds at home, which is this game. Casford away, Saints at home, KR away, Widness at home. And then we beat Salford to get into the playoffs. So we won um, seven games on the spin. You know, we were in Dreamland. I remember that time period as well. It was an incredible, incredible period of time to spot Wakefield. Yeah, it, it kind of felt like a lot of the big clubs get, you know, where they go on massive runs and it was like, oh, this this is nice. Can we do this a bit more, please? Um, you know, there's a, there's a couple of games that you've mentioned there that I remember being at, and I remember Paul Sykes dropping a few goals um, in that run, and, and it just felt like we were unbeatable at the time, and it just felt really mental that we were doing this with the team that, like you say, at the start of that season had been thrown together last minute because of the um, the situation from the year before with the with the licensing. Um, so it, it just felt it, it just felt a bit surreal, really, because before that, I think what the last sort of really good season we could say we'd had was two thousand and nine. Um, so it'd been a it'd been a couple of years since we'd had any sort of consistency and, and a decent run. Um, and a lot of the players, I think, were just likable. Like I just enjoyed watching them play rugby. And you knew that, I guess, for some of them, it was kind of like last last chance saloon um, some of them obviously have gone on to have great careers because they were young kids wanting the chance but you likes of Ben Kane and Richie Mathers and Tim Smith they were, they were all coming here on, on sort of their last chance to be a professional top flight player um, and I, I don't know I just kind of fell in love with a lot of them you know your Danny Kermans and Frankie Mariano was probably one of my favourites as well from that time I used to love Frank the Tank. Frank the Tank, what a player. He used to hit a line like a steam train, honestly. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned that last chance saloon. I remember Paul Sykes being a last chance saloon. He's still playing now at like 41 or something <laughs> ridiculous. Honest to God. But yeah, you, you, exactly. Speaking of Sykes, you mentioned them drop goals. Two games on the spin there, drop goals in the last minute against St. Ellen's and OKR to, to win. Um, and we, we we got in the playoffs out of nowhere. Obviously, unfortunately, it didn't, it didn't end the way we wanted. And I remember when I interviewed Danny Washbrook about that, um, horrendous pass he gave that it didn't cost us the game but um, you know he, he seems to forget that one but he, did you go to the away game at, at Headingley as well? No it was <laughs> we had it was a family wedding so 
it had already been arranged and because we didn't look like we were going to get there, it was like, yeah, all right, no worries. So, fortunately, I missed the last time we were in the playoffs, I think, mm-hmm. which is uh, <laughs> which is a bit um, annoying, especially considering the family dramas and that since then. <laughs> um, yeah, so since then, I've always said that even if, even if it's like the birth of my first child and if we're in the playoffs, I'm going. They can, I'll deal with the rest of the situation later. Talking about, you know, you mentioned that that time period was key for you, 16-year-old Matty. What what was what was 16-year-old Matty like? What was he thinking? What was he, you know, what did this time period mean to you as a, as a bloke watching rugby league? Uh, I think I was like any other 16-year-old bloke, you know, uh, going out with my friends, probably getting up to stuff that maybe we shouldn't have got up to, but I think it's sort of like a learning curve, isn't it, for everyone? Um, in terms of the rugby side, I was playing sort of junior amateur rugby at, at Normanton. Um, not the best of teams at our age group, but it was it was it was a good laugh. Um, you know, it was it was good to have that camaraderie uh, with with players that I still speak to now. Um, sometimes at the Wakefield games, and you know, one of them's still my best mate even now. So, um, yeah, it was kind of like a Typical 16-year-old, um, just instead of being obsessed with football, my my passion were, were rugby league. And I think that's a big thing with the Wakefield community. You know, we, we don't have a professional football team. Our closest is really, what, Leeds United, Barnsley, Huddersfield Town. Yeah. So, And even they're a stretch sometimes. So you, you And there's no professional rugby union team. The, you know, cricket's not massive here. So it's, it's rugby league on nothing sometimes, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's it. You know, um, I think a lot of a lot of my friends are, are Leeds based, so they all they're they're all into their football, and I like Leeds United. Like, I'll, I'll watch Leeds United, but if if Wakefield and Leeds are on at the same time, there's it's a no brainer for me. I remember, um, I think uh, funny enough, it was another game against Leeds, maybe five years ago. Um, Danny, in fact, it was when Danny Bruff scored. Um, and Tom Johnston got the hat trick in the interview with on Sky, and Leeds United were playing at the same time. So I'm facing one way in the pub, watching the screen that had Wakefield versus Leeds on, and all my mates are sat behind me watching Leeds versus West Brom. So <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't very sociable that night. <laughs> um, looking at the team here, mate, as well. I know you've had a brief look yourself. We'll, we'll start with the Wakefield side: Richie Mathers at fullback, backliner Peter Fox, Dean Collis, Lee Smith, and Ben Cocaine. Paul Sykes and Timmy Smith in the arse. And then a pack of Kyle Amor, Andy Ellis. Andy Ellis, very underrated player. Andy Ralph, very good. Frank the Tank Mariano, Danny Kermond and Danny Washbrook. And then a bench of the two Kyles, Kyle Wood and Kyle Trout, Ollie Wilkes and then Paul Johnson. Um, Peter Fox with a try, Dean Collis with a try, Sykesy with a try and five goals, Andy Raleigh with a try and Danny Kermo and Danny Washbrook with the tries and Kyle Trout with a try, uh, sorry, Kyle Wood with a try as well to make it 38. Um, the team we lined up against, you mentioned earlier Leeds had a good year. They actually won the grand final that year. So obviously they'd beaten us twice in the season. Um, we'd beaten them here and then we no- they knocked us out of the playoffs. It's funny because obviously we were talking before this, I got confused thinking you picked a game we lost. Early on in the season, they'd beaten us 38-18 um, and then we've beaten them 38-18. That, that must be, I'll have to ask my dad on that one if that's happened before. Yeah. But 
Um, looking at the Leeds team here, top, top classes you'd expect. Zach Hardacre, Ben Jones-Bishop, Callum Watkins, Stevie Ward, Ryan Hall, Brent Webb at number six, Kevin Sinfield at seven, who only got one goal out of four that night, which is a, a spot-on spot on night for him. Kyle Hulai, Rob Burrow, Jamie Peacock, JJB, Wella Haraki and Ian Kirk. Uh, and then a bench of mostly former Wakefield lads themselves, Sean Lunt, Jimmy Kynos, Richie Moore and Daryl Griffin. So, you know, a game there that, that obviously wasn't going to be easy for us, but to stick 38 points in that team, mate, it's a good night for us. Yeah, yeah. Um, you reeled off some of the names there and I couldn't stop smiling when you were saying them. You know, Dean Collis is um, probably the most skillful player I think I've ever seen play at Wakefield. It's a shame that he just couldn't keep his body right. Uh, you know, Andy Ellis, you, you made a comment there about him being underrated. I, I can't believe he didn't play more in Super League. He was good with his hands and it was really good hooker. Um, Andy, Andy Raleigh would have... I, I was a... I was a prop forward second row when I sort of played at juniors and I loved watching Andy Valley, like just proper workhorse prop forward, you know. Um, like you say, that Leeds team, it's absolutely stacked, you know. And obviously it helps that Sinfield had an off day with the boot. I think, if I remember rightly, Callum Watkins had a good game. Um, I think he's he scored a couple, did you say? Well, Watkins got one and mine all got three, so that side must have been pretty decent for him. Yeah, I remember Callum Watkins making a couple of breaks and, and handing it off to, to Ryan Hall. Um, but he was, yeah, like you say, it's an outstanding Leeds team. That. I mean, most of them are still playing now, aren't they? Yeah, yes, you make a good point. Yeah, and looking at our running that season, that them last seven games, I mean, once again, when I when I interviewed Richie Agai, his, his philosophy was just be the best attacking side in the league. Our last seven games, we scored 35, 38, 40, 33, 31, 22 and 42. And overall that season, we got 121 tries, uh, which is incredible. And, and obviously not to take the mic too much this year, but we've it's it's not a, it's not a recent trait of ours to be a, a try-scoring team. No, I was, I was just going to make a point. I wish we could have that attack now. Um, yeah, there was, there, was, there was some exciting plays in that back line. You know, we've already mentioned Dean, Dean Collis and... Um, having a proper fullback like like Richie Mathers was was beneficial. A general like, I mean, both generals Tim Smith and Paul Sykes were were brilliant at what they did. And then you finish as like Fox, I mean, feed the fox and all that. But it was um, yeah, there was there was some talent in that team, no doubt. Definitely so, mate. And then obviously we did crash out of the playoffs, unfortunately. Last thing before we move on to your, to your second game, I was looking at the attendances here. And like they, for that game on a Sunday, there was um, close to 10,000 fans there, 9,500 fans. And then looking at a couple of others for that running, Witness at home, we had 8,200. Saints at home, 7,800. Um, Saints at home. And then like Wigan at home, 9,100. Hull at home, 8,900. So... It's it's a shame to see that dip over the recent years. You know, it's been it's been eleven years since, but we're averaging what four five thousand now. Yeah, I, th- I think was that the era of Glover and his um, his, his famous giveaways. It could uh, be true, yeah, it could be true. <laughs> I think I think the seven thousands about that time were probably right. Because I remember looking around sometimes and thinking, yeah, I, I'm not sure that this crowd's <laughs> this crowd's exactly right, but. Yeah, I mean, even still, it's it's it is a drop off from what it's been recently, and I guess it just I guess it just shows if you're playing good rugby and you're getting the wins, people will come. And unfortunately, for a for a couple of years now, it's it, it, we've been a bit sparse on the wins compared to compared to them. 
Definitely. So, mate, talking about attacking rugby, and obviously you're a man who, who likes your attacking rugby. The second game you're choosing to watch on your VHS tapes is Wakefield Trinity 72, Hull FC 10. There was 5,634 at Bellevue that day on a sunny afternoon and to play the 22nd of July 2018. Once again, I, I was at this game as well. Fantastic, incredible game. Um, tell us what you remember and tell us why you've uh, you've chosen that game. So I picked this game because the season before, it starts there. The season before, everyone remembers it, 62-0, Wigan. Someone in this podcast didn't go because he had work and he could have swapped it off, but he went, no, nah, it's Wigan, we'll get beat. But 72-10 is my 62-0, really. Um, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was a, Absolute scorching day, wasn't it? And um, we got to see Big Dave is rampaging, best going. I'm sure it started at 30 yards, but I'm sure the story now ends up at 70 yards for his for his try. Um, yeah, it was for me. It's, it's I've not seen many of them big wins, and like I say, I missed out on the 62 nil. So this this was uh, this was like ah, at least I've got to see one now. Was that the game where I mean he, I remember he had a world of game, but was that the one where he sprinted from kickoff halfway down and then gave it to someone on the wing, or was that another game? That was that was that was Wigan the C, the C, it was Wigan twenty eighteen I think was C, it was it Jowett that scored that one Yeah because I'm from kickoff he, he skipped around a few bounced a few off and then gave it to Jowett full length straight it was majestic I've never seen anyone like it Yeah. That that period, that 2017, 2018 period is is the most fun I've had watching Wakefield by by some distance. I can't was... I can't disagree really because that year we finished fifth in the league after obviously we got in the Super Eights, um, and it, like you say, great season. We actually started with four wins, um, then we narrowly lost to Wigan, then we had that abandoned game against Widnes in the snow, <laughs> um, and then we had a bit of a up and down. But yeah, we ended up finishing in the top in the Super Eights and, and fifth overall. So I know I know. For for reasons maybe outside of his his reasoning, um, Chris Chester's got a bit of a bad name for when he left. But around that period, we had, we had a cracking team and and mostly down to him. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I'll I'll be honest with you. I, by the end of Chester, I was ready for for a change. Um, I, I was quite vocal on that, but I, you can't doubt it. From twenty when he took in in twenty sixteen to so probably even 2019 with with the injuries factored in we played some of his best rugby that we that people of our generation have seen you know we're not old enough um to to remember the the halcyon days of the 60s and and uh, the the cup successes and, and and everything that goes along with that i mean i'm not even old enough to remember uh the the playoff final against featherstone i've had to watch that back in 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 years gone by so you know it's um, them years were fantastic to like watch watch Wakefield play the sort of rugby that everyone sort of played and I suppose one of them years being 2017 I know the game that I've picked from 2018 but I I still genuinely believe that if we hadn't have mucked it up against St Helens and, and Hull the week after we were just as good as Castleford and Leeds that year we, we were we were the top three teams in that year and we just we just didn't have that big game experience to get us through. Definitely so, mate. And um, just running through the team, I mean, not not too dissimilar to recent times. And we've, there's a few players I'm going to read out that's going to make us both cry in, in sorrow, I think. But Ma- Maxi Jowett at fullback, who got a try. BJB on one wing, who got two tries. Riesling in the centre, who got two tries. 
Bill Tupu in the other centre. He didn't actually score, but I imagine he set up a truckload. Tommy Johnston on one wing uh, with only one try, actually. I thought he got more than that. Jacob Miller at six with two tries. Ryan Hampshire at seven with 12 goals out of 13 attempts. And then a pack, a big day for feature who got a try. Tyler Randall at nine, another fantastic hooker. Keegan Hurst at 10. And then a back row, Matty Ashurst, Justin Horrow and James Batchelor who also got a try. Um, Kyle Wood, Tinny Arona, Paulie Paulie, who bagged a brace, and then Big Craig Huber as well off the bench. Um, Hull, again, strong team in, in there, but um, missing a few key parts, I think. But Jamie Shaw, Bretta Faremo, Jack Logan, Carlos Tumavave, Fatule, Talanoa, Jordan Abdul, Mark Sneed, Massimo Tongo, Danny Houghton, Scott Taylor, Dean Hadley, Jansen Turgot, and the, uh, the media's favourite, Joe Westerman at 13. Um, and then Mickey Payer, Jack Downs, a young Brad Fash actually off the bench, and then Liam Harris. So I mean, they were a bit, they were a bit um, light on the ground, but still didn't didn't deserve seventy two points. I think we had a fantastic no. day against them. That's it. No, um, the thing with Hull as well is they do have in them to throw a seventy in every now and again. I mean, we saw it last week; they got yeah. sixty put on them. They yeah. seem to do at least one or two a year. Um, we got lucky that year. Um, by by being one of them teams, um, yeah, like you say, some of them names in that team, you just wish that they were still they were still at the peak and still throwing throwing the ball about for us. You know, I mean, look what Tom's doing in in South of France now. Um, you know, if we could have had a fit Bill Tupu for the for the last couple of years of his of his time here, and you know, I don't need to really talk about Big Dave because he's. He's probably my favourite ever. He's in the top five, definitely of players I've ever seen play at Bellevue. Good stuff. I think you know you've mentioned them. You mentioned Tom Johnson that year. He got twenty four tries in twenty five games. BJB not far behind with eighteen tries in twenty seven. So we had we had elite try scorers as well that year as well. People who can who can score a try out of nothing. And equally, what I did, I did have a look. We mentioned that time period being really good. We only had four debutants that year, so we had quite a steady squad. I think everybody knew each other. We had a good, um, good gelled camaraderie as well, and and that always helps as well, doesn't it, with consistent performance? Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. I think I'm just trying to try to work out the the four players it would be there. Would it be? Uh, I'm going to go with Hampshire, Paulie Paulie. Oh. Yeah, yeah, two uh, right so far, yeah. Anthony Pauli Pauli, they were definitely there. Uh, there was another. Was there another Aussie? Yeah, I've mentioned it. He started in the back row that day. Oh, Horro, just Horro. And then oh, if you get the I... other one, if you get the other one, I'll be very impressed. It'll be a young kid then. Um, just trying to think about what, about that era. Uh, what what area of the pitch would he believe? He, he, he played. He played prop, but he only ever played four games for us. Four games, twenty eighteen. People screaming at the radios and podcasts now. Ah uh, no, <laughs> no, I can't do it. No, Jordan Baldwinson. Oh, yeah, yes, a tough one. Uh, yeah. No, I, I don't think I remember that. Although I did see him playing on the TV the other day. I think it was for Featherstone. And yeah, oh, ah, he, yeah, I remember him playing for Wakefield, but yeah. not, I, clearly I, not well enough. From from what I remember, he never had a bad game. I just don't think he was. Needed at that point because again we had we were quite blessed in front row as we you know you look at that for Feeder and Hurst and then off the bench you've got Arona, Paulie and, and Hubie as well so we, we're doing all right there. Um, yeah, anything fun. anything lastly you want to say about that game and, and and why you chose it and why it stands out for you? Um, 
I mean, it's just nice to talk about a defeat for Mark Smead where he gets 72 past him because he absolutely kills us every time he plays us at the minute. Um, so, it, I mean, that was nice to remember that he's played in that game. Just that type of player, isn't he? he seems to, I remember it <laughs> always used to be players like Sean Long, but now it's uh, it's Mark Snead. Um, We've done us four or five times now. We drop goals to win a game. I know, I know. It's always the same. Um, last but not least, mate, game three. I, I imagine... The longer this series goes on, the more people are going to choose this game. Um, and the same could be said about the first Vacant Island videos we had with Peter. He mentioned he picked the million pound game against Castleford. You tried to choose that. And I did say, let's have a bit more variety in there. So you've chosen this one as well. It's another Hull FC game, but it was at the KC Stadium. Hull FC 18, Wakefield Trinity 28. Over 10,000 fans at the KC Stadium in the Super League playoffs on the 24th of September 2004. Um Phenomenal game, and just a, a, it's a legendary game, really, for people of our age. But any any Wakefield fan, because it was a real oh my god, we could potentially be the grand finalist <laughs> type of moment. Yeah, um, so I, I'll have been a fairly young kid on this one. Um, so I think it's the first sort of moment where I, I definitely had that passion there, like going to the games and stuff. You. You sort of cheer when everyone else cheers and stuff. But I remember I, I didn't go to the game. I watched it on the TV. So well, being playoffs, they were all on TV. So, um, but I remember looking at like the crowd and and the absolute sea of Wakefield fans in in the the end at Hull, and um, I just remember watching that game and thinking, I I love this sport. This is this is incredible. Um, you know, I think with some of the action that happened in that game, it's, it still sticks with me now vividly. I can remember, I can remember us going down to 11 very harshly. I can remember Karkidis doing that run. Um, and the, uh, and, and the Jason Demetriou try as well. That's, that's one of the, that's one of the highlights as well. It's for, this game's on YouTube. I watch it every now and again, just because again, it's such a legendary game that always sticks out in my mind. But again, as fans of our age, we weren't there for the Ox Cup final win in 92. We were either very young or couldn't go to the the uh, playoff win in '98, and then since then we've only had three playoff appearances, and this is the only playoff game we've ever won. So this yeah. this is arguably our greatest achievement in our lifetime, um, from from memory. And we were fantastic. We were we were so good. And like you said, the first I think first fifteen minutes, Ben Jeffries and Gareth Ellis both got simbined. We were both our halfbacks. Um, I might be right. I might be wrong. Uh, Gareth Ellis definitely got simbined. I think it would be J got simbined as well. Was it? Was it not one of the forwards? I might, I might be wrong. But I might be one of the forwards. Yeah, someone again will be shouting at the podcast saying how wrong we are. <laughs> Gareth Ellis definitely did because I remember mentioning it to him when I interviewed him. But you're right, we we definitely went down to eleven at one point, or there were a short crossover of of twelve and twelve. But we 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 schooled him. We we schooled the game as well. And obviously, we were, we don't need to talk about the game afterwards against Wigan, where people still <laughs> think we were harshly done by. But we were so Absolutely. close to. A grand final that year, and we had a phenomenal squad. That I also I have prepped you on this, but I'm going to test you on it now. Um, we love a quiz on the Trinity Heritage podcast. We 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 always quiz the players on their debut Trinity game. So I'm, I'm I quiz Peter on one of his games last week, and I'm going to quiz you now. So the Wakefield Trinity team. I tell you what, I'll tell you the whole team first. Make it a little bit easier. Get, let you have a bit right. more thinking time. Um, Sean Briscoe at fullback, backliner Colin Best, Richard Whiting, Kurt Yeeman and Gareth Rayner. Halfbacks are Paul Cook and Peter Lupton. 
Uh, and then a pack of Gareth Carvel, Richard Swain, Ewan Dowles, Paul McNicholas, Richard Fletcher, and Shane McMenemy. And then a bench of Richie Barnett, Graham Horn, Andy Bailey, and a very young Nick Scruton, which I didn't know. <laughs> um, I think he was about 18 at the time, so he's done well there. But um, just to see how quickly times change at Wakefield, it was only obviously two years later that we ended up playing the million pound game after this. And incidentally, nice little trivia fact, but two of those whole players that we played in this that we beat ended up playing for casting that million pound game who we beat and that being uh, Peter yeah. Lawson and Richard Fletcher. So um, I bet they can't stand the side of Wakefield. So. <laughs> um, but that should be enough. Who, who, was, who started full back for us that night? If I, if I remember rightly, um, it was someone that I think is a one-season wonder. He didn't, he didn't really play much before and after because I think we signed Blaymeyer maybe the year after or, or the year after that. Um, I might be wrong. But is it is it Mark Field? It is Mark Field, yeah. I'm not sure how many games he played overall. I, I, I think that's harsh calling one season one, but I know what you mean. He didn't he didn't play for like 10 plus years for us. But um, yeah, he local lad as well. So really good player. And a uh, little fact side, but my granddad taught him at school. So he always yeah. mentions that every now and again. So um, yeah, Mark Field at fullback. Who were our wingers that day? Um, I guess Semi. Yeah, big Semi got a try for us. And the other one, would it be, could it be Mick Wainwright? No, he wasn't there, actually. He played a lot that year, Wainwright, but he didn't play that day. Oh, um, we, did sure. seem, we did seem to have a change about. So this guy who played on the wing, played the majority of the season at fullback before Fielder got his debut. Oh, oh. Mm. Great. No. <laughs> Colin Alpenny. Oh, of course it's big column. Big column. column. Yeah. Then, I don't uh, know this column model and I've got no idea why. <laughs> <laughs> um try himself that day did big call. And then two centres, legendary figures at Wakefield. Uh Domich. Yeah. What a player. Um I think Ellis played in the halves, didn't he? He did, yeah. Ellis were at six. Was it was it was it Kevin Anderson? It wasn't, no. Come on, mate. Yeah, I'm gonna kick myself. Biggest legend in, in Wakefield Super League oh. era. Dimitri. Of course it's Dimitri. JD, come on, mate. <laughs> yeah, J- so Alpenny, Dimitri and Semi all got tries in that game. Sid Domic, who were actually our top try scorer that year, didn't score. Um, and just looking at that, Domic got 25 tries in 33 games that year. Absolute beast. He was, was in the dream team, wasn't he? Yeah, and then I think, the I can't remember if it was straight away the season after, Hull pinched him off us, so mm. thanks for that. Um yeah, you've mentioned Gareth Ellis at six. Number seven. Uh, Jeffries. Yeah, great player. He himself got 24 tries that year. Fantastic uh, try rate there. Um, who's your starting front row? Uh, Corkidus. Yeah, big Corky. Uh, that's Griffin. No, Griffin were off the bench, actually. Off the bench. Um, it was not being with Tini. It was before with Tini, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, See, <laughs> 20 years since this game. Um, yeah, big bald, big bald lad at, at prop, underrated it, in my um, opinion. Feather. Yeah, big Chris Feather, yeah, good player. And then um, at, at Hooker, bit of a mainstay around that play. I think he played close to 200 Matt. games for us, yeah, David Matt. Matt, Matt. yeah. And then uh, back three, solo, yeah. Um, <laughs> I feel like there might be someone random in there. Rob Spicer? Yeah, Spicer 13. 
we played yeah. played a lot of games that year in Spice. I don't really remember much about him, if I'm honest. And that's not a I don't mean that disrespectfully. It was it was it was the same sort of area that Mash came through, wasn't it? So yeah. uh, there was a there was a few young kids, you know, Mark Field, like we've already said. Um the back row, who would be the back rower? This guy this guy is arguably could easily be my, my most favoured cult favourite at Wakefield. There's pressure on that now. Um, Such a good player. Was it David Wrench? No, good shout though, but it, it wasn't Wrenchy. It was it was that season though, Wrenchy played. Oh. Um, this guy played with a, a head hat on, a headgear on, sorry. Oh, Dunk, big Dunk. Big Dunk McGilvery, what a player. Again, he, he were in... Uh, one of Peter's podcasts, and we'll say, and I'm just how incredibly underrated he was to a point of no other team even thought to get him off us, but he just he just crunched everyone in sight. Um, a good tackling back rower, exactly. Very, yeah. like, a, bit, a bit like uh, like Tash has been for the last five years. Precisely, like, no one seems yeah. to want to take him away, but you take Mash, uh, Tash out of our team, we defensively a lot a lot weaker, definitely. And you've mentioned Daryl Griffin on the bench, and another three lads. Um, some toughies here, but you, I think you'll be able to get him. One guy came off the bench and actually got three goals for his goal kicker oh. off the bench. Was it was it the young centre, or was it Rooney? No, Rooney didn't play. Rooney, Rooney, so Rooney played a lot of that season and then just went missing halfway through. I don't know if he got he must have got injured. Mm. I'm trying to think of goal kickers. Uh, yeah, it's surprising, really. I think this guy came on maybe at hooker and then just didn't go back off. And then, he kicked, like I say, March, he got one goal and then this guy got the other three. I don't know if this will help you, but his dad also played for Wakefield. They called him Tiger. Oh, Paul Anforth. Yeah, Paul Anforth. Yeah, good player. Um, and then two kind of prop slash second rowers on the bench could play anywhere in the pack. Big, um... French, big French lad. Oliver. Yeah. Oliver Alima. And then um initials of the last guy is SS. Oh, Snitchy. Steve Snitch. Yeah, Steve Snitch. So yeah, Mark Field, Colm Alpine, Jesse Dimitri, Sid Domic, uh Semitar Jalala, Gareth Ellis, Ben Jeffries, Chris Feather, David March, Michael Cochley, Kikidas, um, David Solomona, Duncan McGilvery, Rob Spicer, and then a bench of Paul Amforth, Oliver Lima, Steve Snitch, and Daryl Griffin. Um, we played Hull three times already by that point. We played them three times in the league and we'd lost all three games. Um, 27-21, 28-24, and 38-24. Um, so we, were, we we finally got there at the, at the most important time as well, mate, didn't we? Mm, yeah, who was, the, who was the coach for Hull? Was it was it Keir or was it McRae? It's a very good question. If you kill time, I can Google it and uh, have a quick look. I've, I've got a feeling it, it might it might have been McRae with Keir as his assistant, actually, thinking about it. Because uh, they were there at the same time, I'm pretty sure. But that, that's another little little neat story, isn't it? You know, two years later, he comes in and, and saves us. Um, you know, I've got to try and get a little bit of my million-pound game in there somehow. Exactly, yeah. You know what? It doesn't say it anywhere. I can't find it. Um, keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> they finished uh, yeah. third that they finished third that year, Hull. So we did really well yeah. to to knock them out of the playoffs. Yeah, they they had a bit of a good period, didn't they? Between well, two thousand and four, like you say, in two thousand and six, seven, I'm sure. Richard Agar took them to to grand final a couple of years later, and obviously the Challenge Cup win at Millennium Stadium, uh, which 
K definitely was in charge for. Yeah. Um, hey, you're right, Sean McRae. Sean McRae. <laughs> Sean McRae. There we go. <laughs> Thank you. For, sorry for the listener there for not having the pre-reading done. But yeah, Sean McRae there. So um, yeah, and then John K took over and then Peter Sharp and then Richard Agar. So yeah, yeah, good period for them. And they got to the grand final, got to the Challenge Cup. Obviously, they won the Challenge Cup final under, under John K the year after. Um, yeah. So great team, we did well. Um, and looking at that, looking at that season, we talked about consistency in the year before. Jason Dimitri, Sid Domic, David March, and Ben Jeffries played every single game that year. Played thirty-three games out of a possible thirty-three. So um, not only that, but key players. You know, our two centers, our hooker, and our seven played every single game. David Solomon played thirty-two, so he only missed one. And Corky played thirty-one, only missed two. So incredibly important. Again, talking about that consistency of top players. Yeah, definitely. And I imagine that Corky had only missed them because of suspension, to be fair. Um, <laughs> now, there's, like you say, in that team, there's some names there. that They're, they're definitely the the poster boys that were on my room. You know, Corky, this especially, was was one of my favourites. And obviously, Jason Demetrio scoring. Scoring, I mean, that try scored in the million-pound game. It's, it's still plastered everywhere on around the club, isn't it? So, it's... Um, it's just a. It might not have been a golden period in terms of the the rugby being played, but it was it was a golden period in terms of the players that we had and the, the cult hero status that a lot of them have got. You know, uh, like you say, like we've already said, Cockidus, Demetrio, Ben Jeffries is another one. Semi on the wing, Solo and uh, and uh, Domic. It's just you look through that team and if. I imagine a lot of people for their Super League dream teams for Wakefield would have a lot of them players in. Totally agree. I, th- I would, definitely. I'd, I'd probably need to sit down and think about it, but I, I definitely would. And last but not least, looking at the stats of that year, four play- four players of ours got over 100 points for Wakefield that year. Um, Sid Domic, David March, Ben Jeffries and Jamie Rooney. Um, incredible stats again. What I imagine, um, obviously it's something my dad could probably answer, but I imagine we haven't had four players we've got over 100 points in one season for us since then. No, because I think part of that's down to the, like you say, if Rooney's gone missing halfway through, you change your goal kicker. And normally you might get one or two, don't you, with, with a with a prolific try scorer and a, and a goal kicker. But um, I'm trying to think if we, we could have had one in recent years. Maybe, maybe 2017, maybe the goal kicker and Tom Johnston, would, that'd be two. But Ben Bishop, but... Like that, that might be pushing it. Definitely. Just to recap your three games, mate. From the 29th of July 2012, it's Wakefield Trinity 38, Leeds Rhinos 18. From the 22nd of July 2018, Wakefield Trinity 72, Hull FC 10. And from the Super League playoffs on the 24th of September 2004, Hull FC 18, Wakefield Trinity 28. A um, couple of quick questions just to round off, mate. If, if you could be washed up on the island with the famous Wakefield Trinity player, or past or present, they could still be playing now. Who would it be and, and why? Oh, um, just, just for one day. They're not there all the time. You know, all right, okay, okay. Come out, come out to visit you. <laughs> uh, just, uh, oh, Neil Fox. We'll go before my time. We'll go Neil Fox. Good answer. Why, why is that? Is there any particular reason? I just feel like it'd be interesting to hear the stories of the 60s um, and, and his whole journey through uh, as a as a player at Wakefield, you know. I think he's he's probably the biggest legend that we've that we've got in this. So 
Um, and I, I feel like he's underappreciated by the rugby league world as well, if I'm being honest. Uh, I, I just he's, he's, a, he's a legend, isn't he? So I think that's that's mine. He is the legend, and to say he's still with us as well is fantastic. And uh, yeah, travesty that he's not on that Wembley statue, but we, I mean, we could create a podcast on that on its own. Um, <laughs> difficult question for you, because as we've mentioned before, there's not been loads of um, good times for us as Wakefield fans, but if you could take one piece of Wakefield memorabilia with you, what would it be? Mm. Could be something personal to you, I guess. I would take... John Clear's John Clear's glasses. For the <laughs> million pound game. <laughs> yeah, probably got its whereabouts with them anyway. Um, and then last but not least, if you could actually play in any of these three games, which one would you play in? Um, I'd play in the seventy-two ten one because I feel like I'd cause less problems than I don't want to ruin the playoff win. <laughs> and beating Leeds is always fun, isn't it? So, uh, if if I come on when we're seventy-two ten up with five minutes left, I don't feel like I'd. I don't feel like I'd let us down. <laughs> you could catch an offload off Big Dave and get under the sticks for you. Yeah, that's Nathan it, yeah. <laughs> Matty, Matty, thank you very much. You were one of the first, obviously, to actually volunteer for this. And I know, obviously, you're a, you're a big Wakefield fan, whether it's good times or bad. Um, and I say this just as a guy who's a little bit older than you, but stick with us. Don't be too disillusioned, whether whether we end up in I mean, League One or whatever, but stick with being a Wakefield fan. It's hard to come by. is real passion and, and real love for the game especially when it's linked in to you, embedded within you, like your family genes as well. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I said to you before, it's sometimes I can just get a bit over the top in terms of the Twitter, but, you know, if, if we're playing Batley on a Monday night in, in the Championship next year, I'll, I'll still be there. I'll still be I'll still be calling the referee uh, a great man. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Hopefully we can turn it around. Good stuff. Thank you, everybody, for listening to episode 74 of the Wakefield Trinity Heritage Podcast. You can find us on all podcasting platforms worldwide and follow us on Facebook under Wakefield Trinity Heritage and Twitter and Instagram at WT Heritage Pod for further information and real-time updates. Massive thank you to my guest down at Bellevue Zone, Matty Sellers, and I will be returning for Vacant Island videos on Thursday with another fantastic guest, my old mate from Three Blokes and who believe podcast, Jed Amos. Goddard. I've been Jamie Robinson and we will catch you all down the road. Hi, it's Cammy Triscamara. You have been listening to the Trinity Heritage Podcast with Jamie and Lee Robinson. It's unbelievable!